Hello, and welcome to the City Church Evansville podcast. My name is Sean Little, and it's my distinct pleasure to say for the last time that I'm the community and teaching pastor here at City. Today I had the honor to share one more time before my family and I move to Hawaii. So without any further ado, here's my final message at City Church. Well, uh, good morning, City Church. It's good to be uh, together on a Sunday morning. It's good to be together at church. Uh, our last Sunday here in Evansville. Uh, you know, the first time that I showed up in the pulpit of City Church uh, was 141 Sundays ago, November 23rd, 2014. As many of you may recall, uh, my hair was shorter and my sermons were longer. <laughs> You guys might remember that. To be exact, that first sermon was one hour, 11 minutes, and 22 seconds. <laughs> and I know for some of you who didn't clap, it didn't feel that way. That's because y'all fell asleep about halfway into it. <laughs> uh, this morning in uh, the spirit of bringing things full circle, I've prepared another 73-minute sermon. So sit back. Relax, get comfortable. Well, for those of you who are new uh, or tuning in online through our website or podcast, my name is Sean Little, and for just a few remaining hours, I'm the community and teaching pastor here at City. As I mentioned, this is the last uh, Sunday that my family and I will be in Evansville, and consequently the last Sunday that I'll be on staff. We moved to Hawaii in five days, and honestly, we've been preparing, but there's a whole world of unknown out there that we're kind of excited and terrified to go experience. Uh, In light of that, today will be a little bit different from a normal Sunday here at City Church. Jeff mentioned that. Uh, When it comes to our sermons, we take an expositional approach to the scriptures, trying to understand what they mean within their context and what they mean for uh, our lives. But that didn't feel completely appropriate today. Uh, We'll certainly take a look into the scripture with one another. Because in the Bible we find truth. And not just generic truth, but God's truth. Truth that is living and active. Speaking to the seasons of our lives. And able to inform all of our decisions and the opportunities that lie before us. So even on a day like today, the Bible has truth that's incredibly timely and helpful For all of us, myself included. But in addition, today is also a bit more personal. Something like uh, taking a trip down memory lane. uh, Maybe laying in a a, a living room with your family and cuddling, perhaps, Jared. Maybe like that. So we want to take a trip down memory lane and I want to dream of a future as well. But let's start with something uh, familiar, which is our vision statement. So if you will, let's take a look over onto this wall and remind ourselves of the vision of City Church by reading together. Here we go. The vision of City Church is to bring spiritual, social, and cultural renewal to the city of Evansville and beyond through a movement of people who are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This vision uh, is what we, as a church, have been up to the entire time that we've existed. When I became a part of City Church, this was already happening, 
Uh, And in all honesty, this vision, the way that it pulses through the veins of our body and informs who we are and what we're attempting is a main reason that I felt like I could belong. Like there was a place here for a guy like me. After all the phrases, uh, the city of Evansville and uh, a, a movement of people capture a whole lot of folks, right? That's a wide range and an array of individuals and personalities from different backgrounds, walks of life, cultures. And that was encouraging uh, to me because I realized that there are parts of who I am that are a little bit outside of the bell curve. I don't know if you guys would agree with that. Outside of the ordinary. And sometimes churches don't tolerate that very well. Better yet, they don't celebrate that. And you know, regardless of what most churches would say about who's welcome, specifically who's welcome on staff, there's usually this unseen asterisk clarifying who's really welcome, who's really uh, allowed to have a voice and a place. And don't get me wrong, that's not limited to church. I mean, that is pretty much a part of any gathering of people, uh, any organization. There's sort of an unseen, unsaid rule about who's allowed and who's not. But this vision told me that City Church was attempting to include and capture everyone, to engage everyone, and to enable everyone to belong. Like Kyle was saying, to have a place and a voice have the opportunity to influence who we are and who we're going to be as a local church, as a body. And it really is more than a vision. It's more than just, you know, words on a wall. And I can tell you that that's been the case from my very beginning. I remember before I joined staff, we met for a meeting with the elders and their wives and my wife uh, at Alan Clark's house in his living room. I remember a conversation uh, that we had. And I felt the need uh, to sort of get specific about kind of who I was uh, and let them know what they were getting if they chose uh, to hire me. Namely, I said there's a part of Sean that's going to look like having a drink and attending a rap concert on a Saturday night and then showing up and preaching on Sunday morning. I just felt a need to tell them that, to share that, not to hide myself. To a certain group of people, myself included, that isn't alarming at all. You didn't even bat an eye at it. A drink and a rap concert and being faithfully and fully Christian aren't mutually exclusive. They can live together, complement one another, and exist in harmony. But to others, specifically in the local church, often that's not the case. And while I probably don't have to elaborate too much on that, I will say... There's no one way to be Christian. While it's true that there are primary and absolutely truths that are the very lifeblood of Christianity and the local church, too often uh, peripheral issues take their place. And in doing so, they introduce a whole host of rules and requirements, such as not drinking alcohol or attending rap concerts on Saturday nights. You guys dig what I'm saying? Are you with me? Those things have far more to do with securing and sustaining a a subjective righteousness of our own. Far more to do with that than celebrating the fact that the Lord Jesus and his life, his death, and his resurrection gave his very objective righteousness to the unrighteous. And all of us, 
are unrighteous. And that is the good news of the gospel, and it is good news. It's also going to be good news if I get through this without crying, so bear with me. Again, I say that just to clarify that what City Church is seeking, imperfectly as it is, is to be about everyone. Even people like me who exist outside of the bell curve. People who didn't grow up in church. Who don't know the right buzzwords or churchy phrases. Who don't share this sort of uh, Christian subculture that gets created in church world. Yeah, people like me, like us, are welcome here at City Church. Celebrated and given an opportunity to have a place in the body and the leadership of City Because again, what city understands is that there's no one way to be Christian. While there can be no flexibility on what's primary, there's much margin when it comes to peripheral issues. And I can say that about City Church uh, confidently, not only from that conversation that we had back in uh, the Clark's living room, but from nearly three years of being in on the inner workings of City Church leadership. Uh, And this is the part where I might cry, but for that, I want to say thank you. Uh, I want to say thank you for every single one of you uh, who's allowed me the opportunity to to learn and to lead. And often it was much more learning than leading. Thank you to everyone who's given me the chance uh, to listen to you and to your stories, to your successes and your struggles. Thank you for the opportunities you've given me to uh, counsel and to conduct weddings and funerals. Thank you for the privilege of being able to earn an income and provide for my family uh, by helping to pastor uh, this body. And thanks to all of you who challenged me to to be better uh, and to be more. And I want to say a special thank you. I might not have said it at the time, but I want to say a special thank you uh, to every one of you who came to me over the years with questions and conversations about something that I said that you didn't like or agree with or understand. Thank you now, if not then. Because it is so easy to, to misunderstand people and then to write them off, isn't it? Whereas so often it's hard to understand someone. Understanding someone takes patience and grace and care. So thank you for choosing to to try to understand me and to allow me the chance to understand you. Um, Also, I want to thank Jeff for taking a risk on a guy like me. We were sitting uh, at a staff meeting recently talking about that 73-minute sermon. And he said one of your first lines was, I like dirty rap music. And I just dropped my head and thought, what am I going to do with that? (laughs) So thank you for taking a risk on me, for for investing in me uh, and going to bat for me because there have been plenty of times where you had to, for caring about me and and my family uh, and for loving me. That's more response I've gotten in any sermon that I've preached here at City Church. Uh, I want to thank the elders as well for doing the same, uh, for my co-workers also. Uh, Last but not least, I want to thank my wife, Erin. And I can't keep looking at you while I say this, so let me look down and read this. Uh, You've been on my side and in my corner for the last decade. 
Uh, thank you for helping me and supporting me for tolerating the late nights of sermon prep. <laughs> Last minute meetings, unexpected phone calls. Uh, you've done that with patience and grace. So thank you. All of that said, you guys have been such an example to me uh, of that last phrase and our vision, this movement of people who are being transformed by the gospel. You see, I don't know if you've read much world history or recent headlines, but people who are different don't naturally get along. That seems like one of the main themes of the story of humanity. The story of people is one of oppression and enslavement, plundering and murdering the other. Or, in other words, the the devastation of those who are different. But of course, what the church is intended to be is an alternative world within the world. A kingdom inside of a kingdom. Where people of all nations, languages, classes, and genders, different people make up one body. Now the church certainly hasn't done this perfectly. And at times it seems the church has been uh, the front runner of discriminating and devastating. I realize that. But I do want you to look around this morning. I mean, literally, take a second and look around. I wonder where else in our entire city is there a group of people like this? Where else is there such a diverse group of people uh, under one roof? Gathering together, singing songs together, talking together, trying and attempting just to be together. Where else are there songs that are being sung primarily by a white baby boomer a group of people, a band of millennials, an 18-year-old black kid. Where else is that happening? And I think that too is evidence of people being transformed by the gospel. Granted, that doesn't mean that everyone here believes the same thing or even believes the gospel. I fully realize that there are many people here today who aren't positive of what they believe, There are many of you who do not believe in the Lord Jesus, but still, the gospel is the means by which we can even gather, by which we can tolerate one another, give an allowance to one another, celebrate one another, even in our differences. Because the gospel declares that each and every one of us, no matter our differences, has the same worth and the same value to the God who made us and loves us. This is the local church, and the local church is beautiful. This doesn't happen elsewhere. The local church uh, is worth fighting for, sacrificing for, investing in, protecting, and prioritizing. So again, thank you for being the local church by seeking to bring spiritual, social, and cultural renewal to the city of Evansville and beyond through a movement of people, all of you, who are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, now that I've said thank you, uh, which really is the most important thing that I'll say this morning, I want to share a few sentiments 
uh, which I'll draw from two places in the scripture. So if you will turn with me uh, in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 20. Now before we take a look at, at Acts 20, I want to share my, my hope and my dream uh, for City Church. It's a short phrase found in John's third letter. Uh, the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He writes letters later on in the New Testament. And any parent or teacher, mentor or coach, and certainly any pastor worth their weight will understand what he wrote. It's found in uh, the third letter of John. You don't have to go there. Just go to Acts 20. Chapter 1, verse 4. I'll bring it up on the screen. Here's what John writes. I have no greater joy than to see or hear that my children are walking or living in the truth. Now check this out. The irony isn't lost on me that many of you are old enough to be my grandparents with that children line, especially Jeff. Still, this sentiment remains uh, my hope and my dream for City that the years that you've allowed me to pastor and to lead and to share and to teach, that all of that will result in you, us, walking and living in the truth, the, the primary truth of who God is, what he's up to in all of human history, who he's made you to be and why he's made you. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But exactly how can you, can I, can we walk and live in the truth? What does it look like? To answer uh, that question, we'll go here to Acts 20, uh, which is where I had you turn just a few minutes ago. Now, as many of you know, and some don't, uh, Acts 20 accounts for this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, leaving Turkey, where he never returned. So before he leaves, he calls some of his friends to join him. He brings food trucks and a wrapper, and they all get together. (laughs) Because he wants to see them. He wants to be with them. He wants to teach and encourage his friends. He loves them. He cares for them. And he's concerned for their well-being. Specifically, this group of his friends, they lead a church uh, that Paul had started with their help in a town called Ephesus. Many of you are familiar with the letter to the Ephesians. That's this group of people. So they come and they join Paul to say goodbye. And we'll pick up in their conversation toward the end of Acts 20. uh, Which brings me to my first sentiment as to how you and I can walk in the truth. Be watching. That's the first thing. Jot it down. Take a picture. Be watching. Here in verse 28, Paul says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Granted, Paul was uh, speaking to the elders. He was speaking to the leadership of a local church. But I still think there's an incredibly important principle that we can glean from that, which is this. Be watching. Watch yourselves. And watch others. Specifically within the framework of the local church. Care for yourself. Realize that you are a part of a body that exists beyond you. So take care of yourself. And care for others. Realizing that they are a part of your very body. The Apostle Paul says keep watch over yourselves and keep watch over the flock or the body, everyone else. And I do appreciate that order, right? First, keeping an eye on yourself, your own life, your own beliefs, your own behavior, 
And then from that posture of checking yourself, of paying attention to yourself, examining and knowing yourself, then do the same for someone else. The old phrase goes, each one teach one. A little bit different within this context, but after you look at yourself and take care of yourself, look to others, keep an eye on them. As I thought about this, it reminded me of a pretty well-known teaching from Jesus found in Matthew chapter 7. Hear those old words, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The Apostle Paul is not instructing some sort of policing posture. This relentless watchdog hounding others to make sure that they're keeping everything in order. That's not the heart of God and that's not the heart of Christianity. As we just heard in Jesus' teaching, the way that we should be watching is first by paying attention to ourselves. And then from a place of being healed and helped by God. From a place of wellness, we can be concerned for the well-being of others. Not judgment and condemnation and hypocritically looking down on others, but caring for them because God has cared for you, for us, for me. And how much has he cared? The answer is right there at the end of verse 28. He bought us with his own blood. That's how much God cares about us. Out of that posture, we should be uh, watching, keeping watch of ourselves, and then keeping watch of others who make up the same body that is the church. And one comment just in passing before we get on to the next point. Be watching because we live in very strange times. Does anyone agree? Our world is full of confusion and chaos and hurt and perversion. We need to be mindful of what we think, what we believe, and what we agree with. We need to pay attention to that. If there's no difference between the church and the rest of culture, then we can't be what we were intended to be, a world within a world, a kingdom within a kingdom. Be watching. This brings me to my second sentiment uh, as to how we can be walking in the truth. Be about God and his grace. Be about God and his grace. You can bring that next slide up. Verse 32, Paul says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all of those who are sanctified. As I mentioned earlier, uh, there's primary and there's peripheral. There's what's at the center, and then there's the stuff that's kind of further out there. The primary, central reality of all of reality. Not just church, not just Christianity. The the reality of all reality is who God is. The person of God. That's the chief, the height, the apex of all of reality. And I touched on this a little bit ago, but... 
the primary truth of who God is, what he's up to in all of human affairs, who he's made you to be, and why he's made you. That's the heartbeat of God. This truth is that God who existed from all of eternity has indeed made you. Each of us, we've been created. And all of life beyond us. God loves you. He longs to be with you in harmony and in peace. And in the person of Jesus, God has ensured that you can have peace and harmony with him now and forever. Peace and harmony that extends beyond you to your friends and to your community, but also is within yourself. Peace with God, peace with others, peace with ourselves. You and I can live and walk in the truth by being about God. And as Paul said, the word of his grace. Grace is a word that we use pretty often. Would you guys agree with that? But we don't often define it. And you know what it's like if you're married. You can be using the same word, but you ain't talking about the same thing. I think people often think about grace through the definition of, of mercy. You see, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who it is within one's power to punish or harm. That's mercy. Not getting what you deserve. But grace is like all of mercy plus so much more. It's having your cake, your vegan cake in City Square afterwards and eating it too. Grace is not only not getting what you deserve, but it's getting everything that you don't deserve. Do you get that? Grace isn't only not getting what you do deserve, but it's getting everything that you don't deserve. In specifics, here's the grace of God. God made you to live in harmony, union, peace, and fellowship with him, with others, and with yourself. You've rebelled against that. We all have. It's inherent to being human. That's what the word sin is all about. That rebellion, belief that gives way to behavior that rebels against God and alienates you from him, others, and even alienates you from your very self. And God is without sin. He's without rebellion. He's perfectly harmonious and peaceful within himself. The Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Spirit reside in perfect union and perfect fellowship. And because of that, God cannot reside with chaos, division, and turmoil that comes along with sin. You can't do it. You guys read that book, Boundaries? God has boundaries. Can't do it. And what the Bible tells us is that the only way that sin can be reconciled is through blood. Without blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Sin destroys life as it was intended to be. And so an innocent life has to be destroyed to bring it back into harmony. Now, the mercy of God is this, that you, in all of your rebellion against God, and I'm speaking to both Christians and non-Christians, in all of your rebellion, and you know the specifics of your life, so I don't have to get at you, but in all of your rebellion, you still woke up today. You have breath, and you have life, and you have senses, and employment, friends, and family. You have hopes, and dreams, and ambition, opportunities. And the Bible tells us, especially uh, on a wet morning, that God sends his rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. That's 
mercy that we get, that we don't get what we do deserve, which is death. We have all of that. That's God's mercy. But the grace of God is all of that mercy and so much more. The grace of God is fully expressed in the person of the Lord Jesus. God, who is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Jesus is God in the flesh, the visible image of the invisible God. And what the scriptures account for is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, to restore harmony, to make all of life as it was intended to be. He lived a perfect life as all of us were intended to live, but none of us have. And in his death, he died a death that all of us deserve, but none of us need to die. He died the sinner's death, being cut off from God. Again, the death that we deserve to die, but none of us have to if we simply believe in the Lord Jesus. And so here's the grace. When we believe in the Lord Jesus, God sees and he treats and he makes us into the likeness of his son. He sees us as Jesus. That's the grace. Not only what you uh, not, not only not getting what you deserve, but getting what you don't deserve. Why would we deserve to be treated by God as he treats Christ who is perfect when we are so imperfect? So not only do we not get what we deserve, but we actually get the righteousness, the perfection, peace and harmony and union and fellowship of being God's sons and daughters as we were intended to be. This is the grace of God and that's good news. That's good news. I need that good news every day. Be about God and his grace. And lastly, one more sentiment as to how we can be walking in the truth. Be human. Write that one down because a lot of us struggle with that. Be human. We'll see this starting in verse 36. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and he prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Do you see how like real life that is? A lot of times we don't expect all of that realness in a book like the Bible because we kind of have it compartmentalized and over there. How very human it is. Paul and his friends, the people that Paul had created a church with and for, these people who were a part of the same church body, when it was time for Paul to leave, they wanted to see one another. So they gather and they say goodbye. They speak and they pray with one another. They weep and they hug and they kiss. And if you're going to kiss me, please just kiss me on the cheek so we don't have to go an awkward roundabout thing. They weep, they hug, they kiss, and they're all very sad. They're grieved. Check this out on the be, be human thing. God gave us our emotions. Being a complete human being, a, a, a whole human being, is partly being in touch with our emotions. Granted, God also gave us our minds and our intellect, our reason. So we're not only emotional, we're also rational thinking beings, but those are supposed to work in harmony with one another. So I encourage you to walk and to live in the truth by being human. Wade into your emotions. That's scary territory for a lot of us, myself included. Wade into your emotions. Identify what emotions have become amplified. 
and then which emotions have become suppressed. Once you do, spend some time there. Identify it and then sit there for a while. Ask yourself, why has this emotion become greater than this other emotion, which I buried? Often, it's because of wounds and hurt in our lives. And we all have wounds and we all have hurt, even though it's not a nice thing to talk about at church. Personally, I know that much of my emotional uh, being was buried through the hurt and pain and chaos of my childhood. Thankfully, because of uh, God's grace, the kindness of Christians, and a whole lot of counseling, I began to recover a part of me uh, that was buried for many years. Not to make things uh, sound better than they are, and you can ask my wife for confirmation, uh, because there's still woundedness and hurt and sorrow that expresses itself in anxiety and frustration and fear and anger. But I'm working through those things. I'm, I'm processing. I'm learning more about the grace of God that God isn't content just to save me and then see me someday in heaven or see me someday in eternity. But part of what Jesus meant when he said he came to give me life that's abundant is making me whole. He wants to make you whole. Complete together in harmony with yourself, with others, and with God. God's not satisfied just to work out our relationship with him. Because of that, I and you, we have license to be human. In all of our failures and shortcomings and brokenness and in all of the glory, wonder, and awe of being made in the image and likeness of God. Be human. As we seek to walk and live in the truth secured by the love of God, all of his mercy and so much more, which is his grace. We have the assurance of his love for us so we can wade into everything that we are. And we can even bring all of that to church with us. And we can even bring all of that to reading our Bibles and gathering with one another in city life groups. We can bring all of us into the fellowship confidently because God knows us and he loves us and he encourages us to do that and in doing so be reconciled again not just to him but to one another and to ourselves this is what God is up to in all of human history this is the good news of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for all of us God is reconciling all things to himself Not only in the moment of salvation, but each day that we wake up, each new opportunity that we get mercy and grace. God is seeking to reconcile the whole of us to him, to one another, and he's seeking for us to be reconciled to ourselves as well. I wonder what the witness of city church would look like if that was the process that we were about. If we could speak to people in regular language, talk to them about their wounds and their hurts and what they've been through and say, you know what? I have wounds and I have hurts and I have bad experiences, but God loves me through all of that. He's with us. He loves you. He wants you to be whole. And you know what? You can come to church with me because at City Church, we're trying to figure all of that out and you don't have to leave a a part of yourself tucked away, removed. God knows you, he loves you, he's for you, and in Christ he's accounted for your whole being. You can't hide from God, and we're not intended to hide from one another or ourselves. To live and walk in the truth, be watching, 
be about God and his grace and be human. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, again, what a a gift uh, and a grace and a mercy the local church is. I think about uh, much of my life, and it seems to be summed up in this, the goodness of God and the kindness of Christians. Uh, We don't deserve to have a... I guess a place like this, uh, we don't get to deserve to have the story uh, of City Church, uh, one of blessing and provision, communicating the gospel, uh, where men and women are reconciled to you, to one another, and even to ourselves. Uh, But you've been pleased to give us this, along with everything else, which the apex is your son, Jesus. You've not spared his life. You valued us at that cost. You did so willingly and joyfully. Uh, that we would be set free, that we would be liberated, that we would be able to gather with one another, get outside of ourselves, get past ourselves, and worship you. Part of worshiping you is saying hi to strangers. Part of worshiping you is singing songs that we don't sound good singing. Part of worshiping you is gathering consistently. So thank you for not just leaving us unto ourselves with you, but giving us a body and a place to be a part of. Lord, thank you for the privilege of uh, being able to pastor and lead a city for the past few years. Uh, Thank you for the witness of this group of people to me, to my life, to the life of my family. Uh, I pray the same thing for myself as them, that you would bless us, enrich us, satisfy us with more of yourself, and draw people to yourself as a consequence of that. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us, which we see in the Lord Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Well, thank you again for tuning into the City Church Evansville podcast. Uh, I say this often, and I mean it every time. We are more and better because you choose to make City Church your home and to be a part of our body. We'd love to have any of you who don't come here regularly on a Sunday morning uh, at 9.15 and 11 a.m. at 314 Market Street in downtown Evansville.